Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week, recapping the week in Indiana farm news and looking ahead with the markets and Ryan Martin, Chief Meteorologist with the Indiana Farm Forecast. I'm Andy Eubank. Also with me, C.J. Miller. And C.J., Thanksgiving feast. What was it? Turkey, ham, chicken, hamburgers, hot dogs? No hamburgers or hot dogs, but we did have a mix of turkey and ham and chicken and a great Thanksgiving feast all the way around, Andy. Good. Hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed ours, complete with turkey and ham. What's coming up in news on the weekend show? Well, Andy, it's possible the rail unions may go on strike in less than two weeks, and that could have a major impact on the ag industry. Eric Pfeiffer checks in on peanut butter and jelly, the two turkeys that were pardoned last year by President Biden and are now living on a farm at Purdue. And you'll hear the story of one Bain Welker employee who was inspired to help the Toys for Tots program because of the gift from the Toys for Tots program that he received when he was a child in need. All right, CJ, let's get started with our upcoming Farm Expo at the annual December Farm Show in the Indianapolis area. Preparing for planting crops in 2023 and beyond is the focus. The Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo is held at Grand Park in Westfield, just north of Indy, December 13th through 15th. Show manager Gary Truitt says to help farmers prepare, there is equipment on the show floor, but also on the floor is a stage with guest speakers throughout the three days. We've always tried to bring very practical and timely topics uh, to the show so that when farmers are coming to uh, the expo to see the latest equipment, they can also get some good tools they can take home that will help them prepare uh, for the upcoming growing season that in recent years has included new technology because there's so much new technology that's hitting the market. So we really have tried to in the past few years with the seminar series and again this year with the seminar series as well, focus on some of the new emerging technology. That technology is or will be part of farm operations. So what can you expect to see and hear about? We're focusing on artificial intelligence. We're focusing on precision agriculture. We're focusing on drones and the advances that have taken place in drone technology and drone uses. And we've also got some robotics. More and more automated and robotic technology is impacting agriculture. It will have some robots uh, and folks who are demonstrating how those impact agriculture. On Wednesday, December 14th, a series of Outlook seminars will be presented, also designed to give farmers a jump start on 2023. Start out with uh, Purdue and the Center for Commercial Agriculture, Jim Mintert and his team will be there to talk about the economy, to talk about the finances, to make recommendations for farmers on their uh, plans or financial plans and budgets for the new year. We have a market team there will be there. John Zanker and uh, Mike Silver, who are regular contributors, will be there to talk about the markets. Well-known Chad Colby of Colby AgTech presents both Tuesday and Wednesday with a technology forecast. He'll outline what kind of technology is coming both short-term and long-term. On the final day of the show, there is a first, a special program on women landowners. The Indiana Farm Expo, December 
number 13, 14, and 15. Hours are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Thursday. The Expo is a totally free show with free parking, too. We were talking about the potential for a railroad strike or lockout in September, averted back then, but a strike could still take place when the calendar turns to December. C.J. Miller has an update. There is the potential of a railroad strike as early as Friday, December 9th. And that's Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. He says of the 12 labor unions representing rail workers, four of them have rejected the work agreement that was tentatively made back in September. The problem is, if even if one of them votes against it, then all 12 of the unions and the members will not cross the picket lines and they will all in solidarity adhere to what could be a railroad strike. Steenhook says agreeing on a wage increase percentage for union workers is only part of the holdup. What really a lot of the frustration among the railroad worker unions is about sick time and paid time off, particularly engineers and conductors who have to be deployed far away from home so that if they do become sick, then it becomes more of a challenge when you're operating away from home. Ultimately, Steenhook says the rail owners and the unions must work out an agreement, not just for the sake of the ag economy, but the American economy. We're not taking a side on this. We want to see an agreement that benefits both railroad workers and the railroads. We're clearly encouraging both parties to come to agreement. And if they're not able to do that, we're asking for Congress and the administration to intervene to prevent that. Otherwise, a rail strike or a lockout could cost the U.S. economy more than $2 billion a day. I'm C.J. Miller. Thank you, C.J. We have a Boilermaker heading up the National Beef Checkoff. Eric Pfeiffer checks in now with his story. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Watch out, Tony Romo. That's a big, deep, booming voice that I could hear take over that campaign someday. And it's the voice of Norman Voiles Jr., chair of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Voiles operates a seventh-generation grain and beef cattle farm in south-central Indiana, near Martinsville, with his brother and son. Voiles previously served as the president of the Indiana Beef Cattle Association and was appointed to serve on the Cattlemen's Beef Board by Ag Secretary Vilsack in 2017 and then reappointed by former Ag Secretary Purdue in 2020. Kind of the reason that I really felt like being involved with the Cattlemen's Beef Board is I represent every producer at every level in the country. They don't have to buy a membership to be involved. I'm in, I'm responsible for the dollars that 4-H'er spends on their show calf. I'm also responsible for the dollars that feedlot operate, operators uh, that they put in. Let's just make sure that it's being spent in a fiscally responsible way to help promote beef. Voiles says they have a return on investment study done every five years, and the results are very positive. That study showed that uh, nearly $12 was returned to the cattle industry for every dollar invested uh, from the beef checkoff. So if you're trying to figure out what's for dinner tonight... Beef, it's what's for dinner. Yes, Norman, we heard you the first time. He can point you to his two favorites. A really good hamburger. It's it's hard to beat. I really like hamburgers. And then I am a prime rib guy. Medium rare, prime rib, a little bit of horseradish sauce, some odd juice with it, and big old baked potato. That's hard to beat. Hear my full interview with Voiles at HoosierAgToday.com. Eric Pfeiffer on that report. Thank you, Eric. Sure good to meet Mr. Voiles out in Kansas City. We shift now to the markets, and on Friday it was a partial day of trade with some choppy trade. 
a late turnaround for some real weakness in the wheat market, and just a bit higher in corn and soybeans. We have the settlements on the way. First market analysis, which I got from Mike Silver at the end of trade. Mike with Kokomo Grain. Well, obviously, uh, the trading population was down, and, and as you said, uh, in lower volume days, the, you know, the volatility, we can have some pretty wide trading ranges uh, today, you know, pretty much exemplified that. But all in all, uh, you know, we're, we're confined to this trading range. This was a slow news week in general, Andy. Uh, we did have some flash soybean sales uh, on Wednesday, 110,000 metric tons of soybeans to China. We'll see uh, if we can get some more flash sales here uh, as we move uh, into next week. The dollar index uh, up 2.260 today at 106.04. The South American soybeans are still the best buy in the global market, uh, as is the corn right now with with uh, the limited corn exports from the Ukraine. The, the, the Mississippi water level still concerning. Uh, it has improved maybe just slightly, but that still is a big concern. And, of course, the, the threat of a railroad strike. Mike Silver at Kokomo Grain. Mike's number is 800-666-0613. Now Friday settlements, December corn 668, a pickup of four and three quarters. The March contract went up an even nickel, 671 and a quarter. Up just a quarter cent January and March beans, Jan 1436 and a quarter, March 1442 and a quarter. And down 18 cents in a late sell-off in the wheat market, December 7. 75 and a half again down 18 the meats down too. february live cattle 155 12 down 30 and febline hogs 88 50 down 30 much more to come i'm andy eubank this is hoosier ag this week have you ever considered a career in agriculture there are dozens of agribusinesses that have opportunities to work in this exciting field these are high paying positions with on-the-job training and advancement on december 15th from 9 a.m to 1 p.m at grand park in westfield indiana these companies will be on hand for the indiana ag career fair come talk with these organizations then walk the show floor of the indiana farm equipment and technology expo and experience the world of agribusiness december 15th at Grand Park in Westfield. More details at indianafarmexpo.com. Mild weather continues across the Hoosier State. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast Weekend Edition. We're working through another day of above normal temperatures. This arguably could be one of the nicest days of the week. The other thing that we're contending with here today, clouds increasing this afternoon, but we are well above normal on temperatures. We have some moisture that's going to be lifting through the state overnight tonight, coming up from the south and southwest. I think we have to allow for a quarter to one inch of rain when all is said and done. The moisture starts closer to sunset, continues through the overnight, and then tomorrow as well. I think the moisture widens down tomorrow afternoon. There is a little bit of cooler air that wants to come in behind this, so I won't rule out rain ending as a few sloppy wet snowflakes, but I really don't think snow is much of a feature this time around. But it is wet for sure. We're going to see a nice little moisture or soil moisture recharging here out of this event. 
Cooler temperatures to start off the work week on Monday. We've kind of hinted at that, but they don't stick around long term. We have another big bump in temperatures well above normal on Tuesday with strong south flow. That south flow is coming up ahead of our next frontal complex that comes through overnight Tuesday night and Wednesday. That one also has the potential for a quarter to one inch of rain. Better opportunity for that, I believe, to end as wet snow. So I'm going to be looking at that on Wednesday, midday and afternoon. I don't think it's a wide range troublemaking snow event, but the rain ends as snow as cooler air comes. So between now and next Wednesday, overall, our temperature Temperatures are going to average a good 10 to 15, in some cases even 20 degrees above normal for this time of year. After next Wednesday, we're back down closer to normal. It doesn't look like we get brutally cold like what we dealt with uh, here recently. Go back into last week and the weekend. We don't have anything like that, but we are going to be seeing temperatures pull back closer to where they should be, and colder air is going to dominate into the first part of December. Let's talk about that a little bit. We are looking at cool temperatures for Thursday, Friday, and maybe a slight bit of moderation on Saturday. Another round of moisture moves in from west to east but stays mostly central and southern Indiana the way we're looking at things right now this will be for late Saturday into Sunday the fourth and then I think we go through the week of the fifth without a lot of action coming together here I look back to the west where we're looking upstream west and northwest on into uh, western Canada Alaska area there's not many systems coming together so if we miss out on that moisture or if it stays mostly to the south of us on Sunday the fourth we could kick off that week of the fifth and be mostly dry for the first full week of December I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Everyone wants energy independence, reliability, and security. Most Hoosiers see solar as a homegrown energy source that is clean, reliable, and affordable. Solar energy strengthens our communities by providing millions of dollars for local needs, while farmers and landowners receive stable, long-term benefits. Our path to energy independence is through renewable energy. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Come and see the future at the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, December 13 through 15, Grand Park Event Center, Westfield, Indiana. See the equipment and inputs you will need in 2023 and the technology you will farm with in 2033. Free admission, free parking, free seminars, and on December 14, free breakfast. The Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, December 13 through 15, Grand Park Event Center, Westfield. Details at indianafarmexpo.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Indiana poultry producers were recognized this past week at the Indiana State House for their generosity toward fellow Hoosiers during the past year. Eric Pfeiffer has more. Organized by the Indiana State Poultry Association, this ceremony is an annual tradition dating back to the late 1940s. Bruce Kettler, director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, spoke with Hat following the ceremony. Indiana State Poultry Association has been very, very generous. Today we had four tables worth of poultry products from eggs to duck to turkey and all kinds of uh, you know ground turkey, various forms of those products. Those items on display at the recognition event were donated to Food Finders Food Bank in Lafayette, but Indiana poultry farmers have donated nearly 200,000 pounds of poultry products 
over the past year to Hoosiers in need. The strength of Indiana's poultry sector was also recognized during the ceremony. The industry contributes more than $15 billion in total economic activity to the state and employs more than 12,000. We're number one in duck production in Indiana, and I would say basic, far and away, number one state of Indiana in duck production. Uh, we're number two in eggs, uh, number four in turkeys. So when you start looking at our footprint nationally, and put it all together, it's really big. And Kettler also recognized corn and soybean growers for contributing to the state's successful livestock sectors. We hear a lot and talk a lot about uh, exports of those commodities to other uh, countries maybe or wherever, but, but animal livestock feed is so, so critical. And again, I think it says a lot about, uh, about our corn and soybean producers and the quality and the quantities that they raise that we can have these livestock sectors that are really, really strong in the state of Indiana. Kettler told Hat that while farmers do get recognized this time of year for their giving, he knows it's happening year-round and he's very thankful for Indiana's farmers this Thanksgiving and every other day. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. In addition to listening to Hoosier Ag Today's daily podcast, which you can hear at HoosierAgToday.com, you may also want to check out the High Ground podcast powered by Premier Companies as they shine a spotlight on Indiana's ag and energy industries. If we're touching somebody today that hasn't listened to it yet, I hope you do give it a try. I hope you like what you see. And that's Ryan Priest, Chief Operating Officer of Premier Companies. He's also the co-host of the High Ground podcast powered by Premier Companies. How did the podcast get started? The High Ground was an idea we had that we thought we should probably try to do more with our agriculture, our energy side and to better associate ourselves with those who aren't necessarily customers and or members of premier companies and to better promote Indiana Ag and the energy side because there's so many misconceptions about what we do. We thought this is another good way to reach anybody who might have interest in ag. Ryan shares the hosting duties with Sal Sama, Vice President of Agronomy Sales and Marketing at Premier Companies. Not only can you listen to the podcast, but you can also watch all the podcast episodes on YouTube. Yeah, I think uh, we definitely have a voice and a face for radio, but uh, <laughs> but but we decided for some unknown reason that we wanted to videotape this as well. And, uh, and YouTube is a good platform. People can go on there. And a lot of times you just want to say, hey, I, I want to see who's talking. I want to get an idea who that is. And uh, it's nice to put a name with a face. Ryan says the goal of the podcast is to not only shine a positive light on Indiana's ag and energy industries, but to have some fun as well. Yeah, we have a good time. It's a lot of fun. You'll catch us cutting up and laughing, and a lot of times it's at my expense, which is I'm an easy target. But, uh, yeah, we certainly do try to have a good time. We don't take ourselves too seriously, uh, but we hope at the end we've given somebody information they're looking for. We hope that you come away from it entertained and educated both. Check out the High Ground podcast powered by Premier Companies at premierag.com. You can also find that link at hoosieragtoday.com. Well, we just got past Thanksgiving, and we know Christmas and New Year's are fast approaching, but it may be time now to be thinking about March and spring break and the 2023 
Commodity Classic. We're going to have a fantastic show down in Orlando. And that's Neil Kasky with the National Corn Growers Association, one of the organizations that puts together the annual Commodity Classic Convention. This year, the event is March 9th through the 11th at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. Last year, we had over 8,000 attendees that made the trip down to New Orleans, and this show down in Orlando is going to be even better. Neil says the highlight of Commodity Classic is the trade show. The new technology, all the, the innovations that our exhibitors are releasing, and so there's always something new to explore and, and learn more about there. He also says the event will feature guest speakers and seminars focusing on the ag industry. Hundreds of learning sessions, so for folks that want to learn more about sustainability, any of the climate smart agriculture. With the event in Orlando coming up in March, Neil says you could make the event part of your family's spring break plans. So we're about a mile from Universal Studios and a couple miles up the road from all the Disney properties. And so uh, do a little bit of learning and then finish off the day uh, having a little bit of fun in one of the parks that Orlando is, is famous for. Early registration is going on now through January 20th. For more information, visit commodityclassic.com. You can also find that link and additional information at our website, HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. Come and see the future at the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, December 13 through 15, Grand Park Event Center, Westfield, Indiana. See the equipment and inputs you will need in 2023 and the technology you will farm with in 2033. Free admission, free park free seminars, and on December 14, free breakfast. The Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, December 13 through 15, Grand Park Event Center, Westfield. Details at indianafarmexpo.com. Have you ever considered a career in agriculture? There are dozens of agribusinesses that have opportunities to work in this exciting field. These are high-paying positions with on-the-job training and advancement. On December 15th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Grand Park in Westfield, Indiana, these companies will be on hand for the Indiana Ag Career Fair. Come talk with these organizations, then walk the show floor of the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo and experience the world of agribusiness. December 15th at Grand Park in Westfield. More details at indianafarmexpo.com. For generations, Indiana farmers have grown crops to supply our country. Now, a new crop is on the horizon, solar power. A huge majority of Hoosiers support the right of farmers to use their land as they please. And all across Indiana, more than 120 renewable energy projects are sprouting. Solar energy also helps us stay energy independent, generating electrons right here on Hoosier soil. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Solar energy now provides electricity at costs lower than traditional energy sources, like coal. Hoosiers know that renewable energy has a positive impact on local communities because it creates good jobs and provides tax revenue for public projects like schools, roads, community centers, and high-speed internet to rural Indiana. Solar energy can mean a huge win for our communities. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. $30,000 an acre. Would you believe that's how much was spent on farmland in Iowa earlier this month? It broke a previous record that had just been set 
the month before. We've continued to see a strong bunch of sellers and a strong pool of buyers. And that's Paul Shadeg, Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations for Farmers National Company. A recent farmland auction in Sioux County, Iowa, November 11th, brought nearly $2.2 million for 73 acres. So why are farmland prices being driven so high? The commodity markets are the main driver in land markets. However, when we see other factors that come into play, like the opportunity to buy and the opportunity to sell, which is supply-demand, that also is a contributing factor. Shadeg says he doesn't believe that we'll continue to see new sales records for farmland being set in 2023. We really are cautious about where this land market's going to go because we thought a year ago that we'd probably see some settling, and that didn't happen. And with commodity markets where they're at today and, you know, the other factors involved that are the positive, we plan to see those land values remain strong, although I think we're going to see less and less of these record values. And interest rates are going to play a big part of that. Inflation is going to play a big part of that. The previous record for farmland back in October was for 55 acres in Plymouth County, Iowa, and that sold for $26,000 an acre. Well, earlier this week, President Biden pardoned this year's National Thanksgiving turkeys, chocolate and chip, on the South Lawn of the White House. Now, chocolate and chip will retire to North Carolina State University to live out the rest of their natural lives. Last year, the National Thanksgiving turkeys were peanut butter and jelly and were raised in Jasper, Indiana. Eric Pfeiffer reports how those turkeys are enjoying retirement on a Purdue University farm in West Lafayette. Peanut butter and jelly have been excellent advocates for us here at Purdue and for the National Turkey Federation as well. That's Jason Fields, Purdue's poultry unit manager who takes care of peanut butter and jelly with the help of Purdue students. He says they've been quite busy the past year with visitors and events. We've brought them to uh, campus a few times and they've been guest of honor at the Ag Alumni Fish Fry. And also during the month of August, they were on display at the state fair. Fields shared with Hat what goes into taking care of peanut butter and jelly. A lot of people don't realize that a normal turkey span before they're harvested is only about 18 weeks. So they're right now at a year and a half old. So just keeping checks on their body condition, making sure they're on the right type of maintenance diet so they don't grow too big, and just uh, keeping them comfortable and uh, making sure that they're going to have as much longevity as possible. And Fields says they probably have the nicest accommodations on the farm. They have an extra large shed that uh, we did air conditioned in the heat of the summer, and now it's heated as well. And they also have about 2,000 square feet of kind of open pasture area where we've got some shade trees and then there's some areas where they can get into the sun as well. So it looks like peanut butter and jelly are living their best life here in West Lafayette and enjoying retirement. Other presidentially pardoned turkeys have lived to be three to four years old. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, now that the Christmas season is upon us, you never know how giving a gift to a child may one day impact the rest of their life. I had the chance to chat with one Hoosier as he told me how a childhood gift he once received continues to inspire him to help others in need. It makes me feel really good knowing that we're going to bring so much joy to children all over Indiana. And that's Justin Butler with Bain Welker Equipment. Justin still remembers the toy that he received as a child from the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve's Toys for Tots program. I grew up with a single mom in Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh 
back in the day, I got a car, like a model car, a diecast car. And I remember it was like a gold mask car. And I was just so happy to be able to open that up and uh, play with that. And uh, I had it for many, many years. Later, as an adult, Justin was involved with the Toys for Tots program firsthand. Growing up and becoming a Marine myself in 2013, I was actually stationed in central Indiana and I got to participate in Toys for Tots. That love grew from that. So I have, you know, those three years of collecting toys from uh, businesses like Bain Walker all over central Indiana and then getting those toys counted and distributed to those children all across the Indiana. When Justin started working for Bain Walker Equipment, he got their company involved in the Toys for Tots program as well. Bain Walker Equipment as a whole and the employees wanting to do this program means a lot. I know what the program's about and them being willing to just fully immerse themselves and get every store across the entire Bain Walker family involved. It just means a lot to me to see that they dedicate this time and effort all into this program to help bring Chuboy to the communities. I think it just bonds us together, and it's just really good to see. You can drop off a new unwrapped toy at any Bain Welker equipment location across Indiana, now through December 9th. You can find those locations and hear my full interview with Justin Butler at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm network.